Turn with me this morning, please, to Luke's Gospel and chapter 9. verse 57. Just like to take this opportunity to thank everyone for remembering the barn in your prayers. Um, I'd like to thank the ladies that come every month to help with the catering, give up their Saturday night, some of them with young children still, but they come and they help and I really appreciate it and God sees it. We had 143 young people last weekend and um, the last of the young people weren't leaving to midnight uh, so they just don't head off after the meeting is over they stay behind and they enjoy fellowship and this is just tremendous so i just like to encourage you to pray on for the, for the barn it is needed more than ever before um, I was just sharing with Bertie a little while ago how in London with the with the stabbings and everything that's going on. Um, They're now roaming in packs, searching for young people to stab. And uh, this is the world in which our young people are growing up in. And so if if we can just provide somewhere for them to go once a month here at the lifeboat, then that's a tremendous thing. And uh, just value your support and your prayers for the barn uh, in the days that lie ahead. So we're going to read here from uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. And it came to pass that as he went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at at home in my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks um, for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We thank you, Father, for every aspect of the work here at the fellowship. And we pray, Lord, for our Friday night children's meeting. We pray for Rhonda and her team as they faithfully serve you there. We pray for the barn. We pray that you'll continue to bless the barn and bring in young people in under the word. And we're looking forward, Lord, to just to sitting back and witnessing what you're going to do with the lives of young people that come faithfully month by month. And we just pray, Lord, that your presence will be very real uh, every time we meet together there. But now, Lord, we're meeting together this morning here under your word. And we just pray for your presence now. We pray, Lord, that you will speak uh, to every individual in this morning in here this morning. And maybe there's someone here, Lord, and they've never started to follow you. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'll speak specifically to those that are still outside of Christ this morning. But we know, Lord, as usual, you'll have a word for every heart in this meeting. 
So we, we just pray now you'll meet with us and speak to us and help me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've ever been on a job interview, then you'll know that it can be a nerve-wracking experience, an occasion when you have to think very quickly to answer rapid-fire questions, and when the dust settles, it's only one person that gets the job. Well, we've just read here of a job interview. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who is conducting the interviews with three would-be followers, but on this occasion, it appears that no one gets a job. Of course, we can't be sure what happened later on in the lives of these three men. They could have had a change of heart. They may have realized after all that Jesus was worth following and that it would be the dumbest thing ever to walk away from an offer like this. The first man announces that he is going to follow the Lord. The second man is asked by Jesus to follow him. And the third man, again, he announces his intention to follow Jesus. So we have Two volunteers here and one guy is asked. The theme of this story is about following Jesus. And Jesus reminds us of the high cost that is involved when following him. And often what hinders people from becoming his followers. The Lord asked many people to follow him. Some accepted him, some walked away. And if you know your Bible, you know that he asked Matthew the tax collector to follow him. He asked the rich young ruler to follow him. He asked Philip to follow him. He asked Peter and Andrew and James and John to leave all and to follow him. It means to keep on following. It is a lifetime commitment and it is an ongoing process. When Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't for a moment. It was for the rest of your life. He never pushed people into making a decision, nor did any of his apostles. He wanted potential converts to fully understand what they were letting themselves in for. He wanted them to think deeply about this step and to understand what it really meant to be his follower. Today, we get people to say a little prayer to follow Jesus, and that's a very dangerous thing to do. You see, eternal salvation is not about a 30-second prayer. It is about a lifetime commitment. When American preacher Paul Washer got saved, he went around his neighborhood knocking doors, sharing the gospel. And to his astonishment, almost every house he went to, everyone claimed to be born again. They had this been there, done that, bought the t-shirt type of attitude towards getting saved. You see, they had said a little prayer, so they thought that they were sorted. They were following many things, but they were not following Jesus Christ. Some people come to church for special occasions, maybe for christenings, weddings, funerals, Christmas or Easter, but they do not follow Christ. At my own grandmother's funeral just a few weeks ago, the church was jam-packed full of lost souls who were not followers or even friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. Other people come to church or chapel on Sundays. It appears that they do follow the Lord for at least one hour during the week, but they don't follow him the other 167 hours of the week. You see, to follow the Lord means that you're going to be totally sold out and unrecognizable from the person that you used to be. It may mean having to give up things that maybe in themselves are not sinful, but they would hinder your walk with God. It might mean that you have to give up sports and hobbies, pastimes, relationships, and jobs. 
A young man at the Faith Mission Bible College in Edinburgh at the minute, he gave up a job as a school teacher, a wonderful career. A friend of mine was about to become a premiership referee in the Irish League, but God told him to leave it behind. Many potential followers are not prepared to do that, you see. And that's why in John 6 and verse 66, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and they walked no more with him. You see, the bar was set too high for them. They were not prepared to carry the cross of this life to receive the crown in the next life. You see, a disciple may be a student of the word, but not necessarily a follower of Jesus. Judas was a disciple, but he wasn't a follower. So we must call sinners to be followers of Jesus and not just to say a prayer. The sailors on Jonah's boat, they all prayed to their gods, but it didn't do them any good. And they would have perished if they hadn't began to follow the Lord God of Israel. It wasn't easy to get saved when Jesus was counseling you for salvation. Because Jesus, he made it very clear that there were barriers to overcome. Some of those hurdles were family, taking up your cross, repentance, persecution, and being willing to give up everything. That's why no one in this interview got the job. Each individual walked away without eternal life. The cost, you see, it was simply too high to pay. They would pay it now, of course, but it's too late now. Verse 57 says that as they went in the way, that means that as they walked down this particular road. And there's a crowd here. In fact, chapter 10 in the verse 1, it mentions 70 others. So if you add the 70 to the 12 disciples, that's over 80 and probably a lot more than that. Jesus had no problem attracting a crowd. But in spite of that, when they fully understood the implications involved in following him, many didn't hang around and they walked away. They left him. Oh, they had listened to the gospel. They had witnessed his miracles. They were convinced of who he was. And just when they were ready to follow him, Jesus counsels them on what it will mean to be his follower. And they decide it's not for them. You see, It's one thing to listen to the word and to read the word, but another thing to live the word. We would probably give a counselor like that the sack if he let a soul so close to the kingdom slip through his fingers. And yes, yet this is what happened to Jesus all the time. Jesus, he never ran after them. He never pleaded with them to come back. He never, he just let them go. And he never once lowered the bar. The first of these three disciples could be called the hasty disciple. Now, none of these men realized what following Jesus Christ actually meant. The word for follow in the original Greek is okolodio. It means to walk the same road. It means to live with Christ, suffer with Christ, and maybe even to die for Christ. Christians in North Korea, parts of Africa, Middle East, they know what it is like to suffer and die for Christ. The Lord sought to explain what being a Christian was going to entail to this hasty volunteer. Verse 57, it says, A certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. This was a moment of haste brought on by emotion. Perhaps like the times when the preacher would stand in the pulpit and ask people to put up their hands or come to the front for salvation. You see, we don't need to do the work of the Holy Spirit, nor can we. Billy Graham said that 
If only 5% of the thousands that, he, that responded to his altar call, if only 5% of them were genuine, he would be happy. And he made that altar call for decades. Matthew's gospel tells us that this man here, this first man was a scribe. He was a writer, an intellectual, a, a scholar. He was learned in the scriptures. He would have copied the scriptures. You see, there was no printing presses in those days. Printing presses weren't invented till 1440. He had access to the scriptures. He knew the Bible, and he was a student of the word. And yet, Jesus didn't call him. Isn't that strange? Instead, the scribe volunteers his services. Now, you would think that the Lord would have been delighted to have such an intelligent man of the Bible as part of his team. You see, he could have joined the Lord perhaps on an evangelistic crusade. Peter and John could have went around Galilee putting up posters which said, come and hear the converted scribe give his testimony. But Jesus was never interested in gimmicks. The scribe may have had it up here, but he didn't have it in here. And the Lord could see his heart. The Lord didn't make an announcement that day. He didn't make an appeal. He didn't shout to the crowd. He didn't say, does anyone want to follow me? Who wants to follow me? Who wants to serve me? He never said that. And that's why we shouldn't advertise from the pulpit jobs that are vacant in the church, such as Sunday school teachers or youth leaders, because you, you could end up getting qualifications from people that are qualified here, but not qualified in here. Amen. And then you risk offending people when you turn them down, and then there's a split. You know how it works. More, lots of fellowships, most fellowships, in fact, have had splits of one form of, or another down through the years. When a vacancy becomes available within the church, then the elders should pray about that vacancy and then approach an individual that the Lord has laid upon their heart. Again, in Matthew's gospel, this man addresses Jesus as master. It means teacher. So, so to him, it was one teacher to another. He doesn't request or ask permission to join this new missionary organization. He just makes an announcement. He says, Lord, I will follow you. This is your lucky day, Jesus. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to assist you. You're going to have all my skills and talents and expertise and gifts. Now that I'm on board, we're going to be unstoppable. Just you wait now, Jesus, until you see the crowd that follows you now. This was Mr. Bighead. You see, Jesus sees beyond words. And Jesus had seen this all before. In John 2 and 23, it says that many believed in his name, but that was not saving faith. During the Battle of Britain... Fighter pilots often painted little swastikas on the side of their spitfires every time they shot down a Nazi plane. But Jesus was never interested in chalking up false professions. To us, this man looked like he wanted to be saved. And you know, folks, we've got so desperate these days for people to be saved. We've got to the point where we're nearly saying the sinner's prayer for them. Jesus never did that. The scribe, he thought about school, college, seminary. He thought about his comforts. He thought about the mega church, the huge salary, the big months, the fancy car. But Jesus reminds him here, and he told him what to expect if he was really going to follow him. He says, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The foxes had their holes, the birds of the air had their holes, but Christ had no home. All creation had a home, but... Jesus had nothing. The creator had nothing. Everywhere 
Jesus went. It seemed as if he was on the run. He had to flee from Bethlehem to escape Herod when he was a baby. They put him out of Nazareth, out of Capernaum, out of Gadara, and finally they would nail him to a cross just outside of Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying that if you follow me, it might mean that you end up being homeless. Every faith mission worker today does have a roof over their head, but it's not their home. It doesn't belong to them. And when they retire or when they leave the mission, they have nothing. This scribe was not to expect a life of comfort and ease, and neither should we, because this home is not, or this world is not our home. So we should never present the gospel as if there is something in it for people this side of eternity. Because it's not about what you'll get in this life, it's about what you're going to give up in this life. It's not about compromise or striking a bargain with God. It's about getting to the point where you realize you are absolutely hopeless, you're lost, you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell, and you'll do anything to be forgiven to escape hell and get to heaven. And if you think you're going to have an easy life following Jesus Christ, then you need to think again. That's why cowards don't get saved, you see. Because it's much easier to live in a sinful world as a sinner. Cowards don't get saved. They run away. Back in the 50s and 60s in the south of Ireland, Stanley Mawinney used to stand in the towns and the villages and preach the gospel during market days and fairs. Stanley would have got verbally abused by the drunks. He would have had cow dung thrown in his face and on one occasion he was rescued from an angry mob by a Catholic priest. Why would that happen? Because Jesus says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, harmless as as doves, and beware of men. For they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. But the promise to every follower of Jesus Christ this morning is this, He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. There may be a crown at the end, but you will have to carry your cross to get it. This scribe wanted to add Jesus Christ to his life, but he didn't want Jesus Christ to be his life. And he walked away. Never lead people to believe that the Christian life is an easy life and a comfortable life because it is not. And there are people here this morning in this fellowship, and you know that's true because you carry your cross every day and God sees that. All who profess and call themselves Christians must carry the cross God wants no one to be under any false pretense. There is a battle to be fought, a race to be run, a work to be done, and there's many hard things to endure along the way. We know that. We shall have many deadly enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. And if we follow Jesus, we're going to be hated, we're going to be slandered, we're going to be battered and bruised, but we must fight on. Jesus does not want to discourage us, but he does want us to know the truth. Many begin the Christian life full of warmth and zeal, but eventually they lose their first love and they return to the world. A man makes a false profession during a mission and a few years later he can curse and he can swear just as good as anyone else because I've heard them. This scribe certainly liked the idea of eternal life, but he never considered the warring, the watching, the wounds, the conflicts. Always treat big talkers, self-confident, forward people with suspicion. In fact, our attitude, our humble attitude should always be, can I follow you, Lord? 
I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I'd be able to. Lord, if I follow you, will you help me? I'm afraid that I'm going to let you down. Will you give me the grace to succeed? When I fall, will you lift me up? I don't really think the Lord is all that impressed with scholarships and degrees because he doesn't need the intelligent, and that's why he didn't call this scribe. Didn't call him. John the Baptist preached in the wilderness, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, you don't need a title or letters after your name to preach the gospel in the streets or in the wilderness. Jesus didn't call the scribe because Jesus would rather have publicans and tax collectors and fishermen and builders and plumbers and butchers with humbleness in their hearts. So don't be discouraged this morning about your lack of talents or abilities because you have exactly the gifts that God has given you to fulfill the, do- the task that God has for you. Amen. Education is certainly important, but it's not nearly as important as your relationship with God. God has a place for you and a task for you to perform that only you can do if you're willing to follow him. The scribes offer it sounded very well. After all, thousands of people had heard the Lord preach that witnessed his miracles. At least this man had the guts to step forward. At least he volunteered, unlike the others. But he hadn't counted the cost of following Christ. Again, Paul Washer said, if following Jesus Christ doesn't cost you anything, then it's because you've bought into modern-day American Christianity. Following Christ will cost. This is not a game. And it is going to get worse. The Sodomite Rainbow Project says that their agenda is not about equality at all. It's about changing the world. And we all know the type of the world that that they would want our children to grow up in. A one huge wicked Sodom. And then you really find out what it's like to be persecuted. You need to have guts to stand at an open air witness at one of their parades. And then we see here this busy disciple... Whoever this man was, he gets a personal invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Wouldn't it be amazing to receive a personal invitation from the Lord? Well, today we are still being offered that wonderful invitation to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever believes in him will not perish. And Jesus invites every sinner in this gathering this morning to come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The worst thing you could do is to reject this invitation. And there are many people today who have received that invitation to come and to follow him, but time and time again, they make up some excuse. And this is what this man is doing here. He makes up an excuse. He had probably actually been listening to what Jesus had to say to the scribe, the first man, He might have even been standing there, shaking his head, rolling his eyes, tutting at the scribe. And then quick as a flash, Jesus turns to him and points to him and says, will you follow me? He had nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, and he offers this excuse. You see, most people like to be invited somewhere. It makes them feel welcome, feel wanted, feel part of a special group of people. Jesus was inviting this man to be part of a special group of people, but he made an excuse. We discover that this man has a problem. He's rather hesitant. He says, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. I wonder, is there someone here this morning and you're like this individual? You have this attitude. 
And you say, thank you for what you've did for me, Lord. Thank you for being nailed to a tree and for being beaten and being whipped and spat upon for me. But Lord, I can't go today. I have something else on, something more important than following you. Notice what he says here in verse 59. He says, suffer me first. Me first. Me, 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 me. If only we didn't think so much of ourselves all of the time. If only we could be more humble, then maybe there'd be fewer rows in the church, fewer rows within the family. It should be God first, others second, and ourselves last. I wonder who is first in your life this morning, Christian. Jesus Christ has redeemed you. Jesus Christ has saved you from hell. God is the reason this morning that you're not in the gutter or in drugs or an alcoholic. It's all because of Jesus, and we must never, ever forget that. Being a follower of Jesus is an every minute thing. We are faced with choices every single day. You could have victory today, but tomorrow you could fall. You need Jesus. There will be times when following Jesus does not suit us, and it will be inconvenient. But we cannot pick and choose, because at all times, in all places, we must be Christians. There are some Christians in politics, and sport, in education, and in the media who seem to think that they can leave their faith at home. But that will never work. Following Christ is a 24-7 thing. This man, he wanted to go and bury his father. Now, that might seem a reasonable request, but it was not. You see, his father wasn't even dead. It was Jewish custom to bury their dead on the same day that they died and then to mourn for them another 30 days. If his father was actually dead or even on his deathbed, he wouldn't have been walking the roads. He would have been at home with him, with his family. The truth is, he's just heard what Jesus had said to the scribe. He has just found out that there is no guaranteed income here following Jesus. He would be stepping out in faith if he followed Jesus. So he decided he was going to wait until his father did eventually die, receive his inheritance, be financially secure, and then maybe, maybe then he would follow him. He thought he would be better to wait until his father was gone, sort out the estate, and then follow Jesus. There's no doubt that he was attracted to Jesus. He wanted to go to heaven, otherwise he wouldn't have been here in the first place. You rarely get people stand and listen to you as you preach the gospel in the streets of Dungannon these days. But this man, he was listening. But when push came to shove, it turns out he loved his money more than he loved God. You see, the Lord then rebukes him. The Lord says, let the dead bury their dead. In other words, let the spiritually dead take care of the dead. Leave the temporal things of this world in the hands of the people who think so much of this world. Jesus is saying to him, I am calling you to point people to the kingdom that's coming. That's way more important. I want you to preach the gospel and tell those people how they can enter into the kingdom of God. But this man was just like the rich young ruler who would not give up his worldly possessions. Jesus was saying, before you can come into my kingdom, you've got to let go of this kingdom. John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. His father might not have died for another ten years. How many people would have died and went to hell for the want of a preacher in those ten years, and yet this man was dilly-dallying, putting possessions before people. 
He wanted the perfect circumstances before he followed Christ. And maybe you're like this individual this morning. You may intend on serving the Lord more in the future. Maybe give the Lord a day during the week to give out tracts and visit people. Maybe even go to Bible college later on. Perhaps maybe when you get the mortgage paid off, then you'll go. Maybe the Lord is calling you now, but you won't go yet until circumstances are absolutely right. Well, this is what this man wanted to do. But we should understand that circumstances will never be perfect. Satan will always make sure of that. Don't wait for the perfect tide because it doesn't exist. We need to serve today because souls are perishing today. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. There will always be plenty of lost people to take charge of a funeral. But the laborers in the Lord's work are few in number. Jesus is saying that saving souls is even more important than a family funeral. You see, we must leave the world behind if we're ever to follow Jesus Christ, and it's never too late to start. Hudson Taylor required more laborers for his missionary team in China. Among the new arrivals was 50-year-old Miss Elizabeth Wilson. And from a teenager, this girl wanted to be a missionary in China, but her parents became invalid. So for 30 years, that cherished hope had lain hidden and dormant in her heart. And she stayed at home to look after her mum and dad. Within three weeks, however, of her parents dying, she applied for the mission. By now, of course, the wrinkles, the grey hair was beginning to appear. But because of her silvery hair... She was now considered old among the Chinese people with whom such a label was an absolute honor. And she was begged from place after place after place that this elder sister might stay among them and teach the word of God. This was a rare exception, of course, because if a missionary were to wait until their parents had died, then the mission fields would be empty. Folks, there are sacrifices to be made The question is, are we prepared to make them? You may have achieved little for God so far in your life, but you can still finish extremely well if you're prepared to go. James and John, they left their father in the boat and followed the Lord. But this man, he put his father before the Lord. Let your family know that God comes first in your life. End of story. Our master's important work waits for us. And it must have the chief place in our hearts. Here Jesus reminds us what our priorities should be. And then finally we see here this third individual. We could call him the divided disciple. Verse 61, another said to him, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. This man was also a volunteer. But he wasn't even in the job five minutes and already he's looking for a day off. He wants a day off to visit his family. Again, he puts himself first. He says, let me first go home and say cheerio. Again, the truth is he wanted to go home and raise perhaps support for his little missionary adventure. But Jesus knew that his family would try and persuade him not to go. And I suppose you can sort of imagine how the conversation between him and his father would have went that day. He would have went home and said, Dad, I've just met a man who claims to be God. He has no money. He has no home. But you know what, Dad? I'm going to work for him. Oh, was that right, son? Well, that's what you think. You're not going to go anywhere, boy. Get you back into that house. And if you even think about doing something like that, you can forget about your inheritance. 
Absolute loyalty to Christ is paramount. And often there will be a choice to be made between family and God. And his heart was with his family. He was a homebird. What use can you be in the Lord's work when the Lord asks you to go into all the world and preach the gospel and you can't even take your eyes off home? We need to toughen up and we must be committed to Christ. Jesus Christ will not share our hearts, nor should he. It is all or nothing as far as our service to God is concerned. James said, friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Even if you need to get on your knees this morning and start from scratch and admit, just admit to God, you haven't got a clue how you stand with him this morning. Folks, if you're not sure, make sure. It's better to do that than to burn. And Jesus said to him here in verse 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're not fit for God's kingdom. And this tells me that half-hearted followers are not cut out for the kingdom of God. They're not admitted into the kingdom of God. A man who, walks, who wants to go home to be with his friends is of no use to gospel work any more than a man who looks behind him is able to plow a field. You can't follow Christ looking backwards. You can't have a divided heart. You can't face both ways. Soldiers who deserted the front line to go home during the First World War were shot. They were putting their lives of their colleagues in danger. And we are putting souls in danger when we desert our duties, our Christian duties, and look back. You know, there are people who come all the way to the cross. We've all seen them. They get to the point where all they want to do is is call upon the name of the Lord. But when you remind them of the cost, the loss of comfort, the loss of possessions, the loss of relationships, then the one who is truly ready for salvation, the one who is truly ready will step forward and he will say, yes, Jesus Christ is so important to me. I don't care what the price is I have to pay. I want him, I need him, and I will follow him. After meeting these three individuals, Matthew tells us that Jesus commanded that they would board a boat and cross the Sea of Galilee where he would encounter a storm before he arrived in the country of the Gadarenes. We must follow the Lord wholly and humbly and let nothing draw us from Christ. Not hard times, not family, not friends, nothing. When our Lord commands us, we must board that boat. There will be storms ahead. It may seem at times that you will sink and perhaps drown. If you're serving Christ, you will encounter all the forces of darkness that Satan could possibly muster against you. But here's the thing, Christian. Christ will be with you in the boat. You will cross over the other side. You will see the gathering demonics healed. You will see the paralyzed restored. And you will see the miracle of lives being changed before your very eyes. If you follow him. These three men could have went with Paul on his missionary journeys but they didn't meet the conditions that Jesus laid down they could have even had their names written and recorded in the book of Acts or in Paul's letters but they wouldn't follow Jesus and they missed out on so so much I wonder this morning is your name recorded in the book of life 
It can only be there if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you decide not to, you're going to miss out on so much. The first man was a scribe who volunteered to go until he heard the cost. The second man, he was called by Jesus, but he rejected that call because he would not take up the cross and die to self. The third man, he was also a volunteer, but he could not follow Christ because he had not left his past behind him. Is it any wonder the laborers are few? I wonder, are you a laborer for Christ this morning? Will you be a laborer for Christ? Are you a follower of Christ? Will you be a follower of Christ? These men must have broken his heart. They were so close to the kingdom, they could almost touch it. It was just a call away, but it meant paying a price that they're not willing to pay, and so they walked away from it all, and maybe they never did follow Christ. They left without Christ, and maybe there's someone here this morning, and you've never started to follow Christ. Will you walk away again this morning? Or will you finally say, Yes, Lord. No matter what the cost is going to be, whether family or friends, whether career or comfort, I will follow you. Jesus Christ is so valuable. At the end of the day, you really cannot lose. Because Jesus says, whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of the cost that is involved in following Jesus Christ. But it is a cost that is so worth paying when we think of the crown of glory that fadeth not away. Bless this word to our hearts this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.